Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to the show. I'm Wes Goldberg here as always with David Ramil. We are recapping the Miami Heat's loss uh, 103-95 to to the Atlanta Hawks. Miami drops to 7-15 and on the season. They've now lost three straight for the second time this season. The Knicks dominated the paint, and that's really the story here. Yeah, this is a pretty bad showing. I found myself getting less and less interested in watching the game as it went on. <laughs> I was already a little bit delayed in catching the feed, and then once I, I caught up, I mean, it, they did try to make an effort late in the game to keep it close, but I got that sense that Miami just wouldn't, you know, they didn't have the horses tonight to really try and compete against this team that seemed a lot more energized. I don't know if it was that they were playing away or it was the second night of a back-to-back, but either way, this Miami team did not look good from the start. And everything was really in the paint for um, the Hawks. And Miami didn't have an answer for it the entire game, really. I mean, the Hawks scored 30 points in the paint in the first half. They scored 28 points in the paint in the second half. So it's not something that was in the first half. Eric Spolstra adjusts for and they fix it in the second half. And I don't even think it was really a schematic thing. I, Atlanta seemed to have they, they seemed to have found a weakness in Miami's defense, and specifically in that of Hassan Whiteside, the Dennis Schroeder, Dwight Howard pick and roll shredded them the entire game. Uh, Whiteside would go out. You know, we've heard Spolster say we want Whiteside to help in the pick and rolls a little bit more, and not just sag back and protect the rim. Well, he sort of did that. He didn't do it really well, though. Like you could <laughs> tell, like he he kind of knew, like he he didn't really know where to be. He was he he would come out like a a step or two to defend Dennis Schroeder. And then Dwight Howard, just being the savvy veteran he is, would find the spot behind him, and Shooter would just lob it up. He, and it was a really great way to kind of hack the 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 white side block machine, almost where you know Shooter didn't have to worry about getting a shot blocked, even though he's only like six foot two, and um, would just kind of lob it over Whiteside in the general direction of Dwight Howard, who was darting back towards the rim, and Dwight Howard was just there over and over and over again. I mean. He, I think he's he scored six of the the Hawks' first eight points of the game just doing that over and over and over again, and it really never stopped. Um, Howard, where, what? How many points did he finish with? He had uh, twenty three points on nine of eleven shooting, seventeen rebounds. Um, they just shredded him, and, and Whiteside specifically never really was able to figure it out. And when he was out, Willie Reed didn't fare any better. Josh McRoberts didn't do much better when they were running him through pick and rolls. I mean, the Heat just didn't have an answer for it. No, I, I mean, the wide side thing is particularly troubling because, you know, clearly Miami's invested their future in a player like him and they want him to continue to develop and grow. We've seen some spurts uh, from him, particularly defensively, some things, you know, offensively that he's done better, but this was a night that. The, the savvy of, of a guy like Howard 
uh, clearly dominated there because he just he, he had perfect timing. He knew exactly how to exploit mm-hmm. Whiteside's tendencies, um, and, and he just looked like a far better player. And, and you know, this is a guy who just last off season. I think a lot of people had written him off as, uh, you know, not a highly coveted free agent. I think that the tenure in Houston certainly, you know, created a certain narrative about um, about uh, Mil- I'm sorry, about Howard. And maybe he was done. Maybe he was a little bit washed. Maybe he just was going to continue to be uninterested in growing or, or being a good player. And this was more a throwback to the kind of player he was uh, previously with Orlando where he just looks, you know, like a, a dominant player and, uh, you know, certainly a much better one than Whiteside. I, I found myself thinking whether or not I'd prefer to have a guy like Howard on this team. And despite the the age difference, despite the the problems that he may have as far as his personality or his, uh, his you know, whether or not he thinks of the game as being an important thing in his life, um, whether or not he's distracted by things off the court or whatnot, he just seemed and has seemed throughout the season to be – a pro, well, at least a more consistent player, you know, maybe not necessarily one as with as high a ceiling, but certainly more consistent and better and, and capable of doing things that Whiteside can't or will or simply won't do. I mean, he certainly is the more complete player. I mean, he's a guy who he had four assists tonight, and he's somebody who even back in Orlando he knew how to pass out of the post. And you look at what the Heat are trying to do now. With Whiteside, they post him up so much, and I, for the life of me, cannot figure out why they continue to try to post this guy up. Maybe it's just letting him try to develop these post moves, but I'd really like to see them stop doing that and just run him exactly like what they the Hawks just did with Dwight Howard, just in pick and rolls, and just get him to dive towards the rim. And we see a little more of that than we did in the beginning of the year, as uh, as Whiteside and Dragic have started to find a little bit of a, a cadence there, but. It's still way, there's still way too many posts up. He's still extremely inefficient. He he ends up doing that little push hook more times than not. That ends up coming out really really flat. He doesn't get position, especially against a guy like Howard who's so good at doing his homework before he gets the ball right. and getting his position near the rim, even in those post ups. I mean we've heard for years that Howard doesn't have good post moves, but at least he gets closer to the rim. Whiteside just doesn't even get close to the rim, and he's so big and long and athletic. I wonder if we just take for granted, like, are we sure he's strong? Like, I start to wonder, he just really, even though he tries to back into these guys, when it's, when it's against a guy like Howard or even a Marcin Gortat or somebody like that who's just big and strong, he mm-hmm. doesn't get position. And I wonder if he just looks strong and maybe he's not, maybe that lower body strength or that core strength or whatever it does, whatever it takes to get that position isn't really there. I don't, you know, that's a whole other thing, but those no, are my concerns a- with Whiteside. It's a good point because clearly, look, you know, we, we ever since he joined the team a couple seasons ago, uh, you know, I think he was he looked like an impressive physical specimen and particularly his upper body. I mean, he's cut, he's lean, certainly well developed muscularly or whatnot. And, but, you know, he's like uh, the, the kind of, uh, you know, gym bro who just, you know, skips a leg day whenever possible. <laughs> he skips leg days every week. He must. I think so. I think so. I, I, and, and look, I mean, look. The, the body is one thing, the unwillingness to fight against players like this. But, you know, we've seen him kind of get bullied about by others, better centers, you know, or guys that have had more productive, consistent careers. And, and you know, even last night uh, against the New York Knicks, you know, Joaquin Noah certainly knew how to get positioning on him, certainly was savvy enough to hold him in the right way and, and, and get position for a rebound and, and made Whiteside look bad overall. 
Um, and, and, you know, a guy like Howard, who's stronger than Whiteside probably and, and certainly more savvy and more complete a player, uh, really exploited him. And it's a it's a point of frustration. I know that we'll probably be talking about Whiteside as our spotlight player later on. But at the same time, um, watching this game just seemed to awake all those negative feelings about him, things that we didn't th- feel as recently as that three game road trip where he seemed engaged and willing. And maybe that was just because, you know, uh, Denver's defense wasn't particularly good. And maybe he was able to exploit Portland's defense as well. And, and and so maybe that's why Whiteside looked a little bit better. But uh, coming back home has not been good. And uh, unfortunately, now that they're going on a three-game or starting a three-game road trip, uh, this wasn't a very good and an auspicious start for them. Well, let's just stay on the Whiteside topic because we've already done 60% Do we of what we to? wanted to talk about. <laughs> well, we don't, we'll skip him in the spotlight later and we'll just we'll, we'll kind of go out of order on this thing. Right. Um, but... You know, I was watching that game, and I couldn't help but think, okay, so Dwight Howard is destroying them on the boards. Sure. Um, and Howard's outrunning them down the floor. And I, I think this was one of those games where Whiteside got a little dejected with the lack of foul calls that, I, that he clearly thought he should be get, getting. He was complaining to the officials basically the entire game. Uh, upset that his shot wasn't going in. But these post moves, and I don't mean to harp on this, but it's just... It drives me crazy when he tries these. I mean, there was one play where he get he gets the ball, and by the time he even attempted like one post move, there was four Atlanta Hawks around him, and I think it was Howard who stripped the ball away. And it's just like get rid of the ball, just pass it out, like you like, just get rid of it. There's no reason. Like I, I I've said before that I don't mind if Whiteside even puts it over a double team anymore because the Heat just don't have many good scoring options. So Whiteside kind of near the rim even against a double team, is one of their best scoring options. But if it's quadruple coverage, Jesus, like one of your teammates is wide open, like most of your teammates are wide open. And I find myself thinking, I would rather him, I'd rather see the 18-footer. I think he's, he, the effective field goal percentage on his 18-footer is much better than his post-up percentage. It must be. I don't even have to look it up to know that. I'm pretty sure it, it has to be. And I'd rather see him do that. I'd rather see him just kind of face up because he's got a nice touch. But that hook shot that he keeps doing over and over again, and he clearly practices, doesn't work, and he needs to stop it. So maybe it's an opportunity now to like look at this and be like, maybe you're kind of a mid-range guy. You have that Lamarcus Aldridge game a little bit to your game, and get more involved in, in diving in the pick and roll harder and screening better, and and just you know you're using too much of that mental capacity on trying to be a better post-up player. It's just not going to happen. And post-ups are one of the most inefficient shots in today's game anyway, so you should just scrap it anyway. And it doesn't fit for the Heat wanting to go play faster. It doesn't fit with what Dragic wants to do in, in yeah. pushing the pace and anything. So it just doesn't make any sense to me why they continue to go to him in the post like that. And two questions that, that come to mind now you know, in discussing this is, one, is Hassan Whiteside capable, not this season perhaps, and certainly not with this roster, but is he in the future perhaps capable of playing the four? I was thinking the same thing. I mean, he had that one play where he got the rebound couldn't find a guard to give it off to immediately and just took down the court. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, holy crap, this guy looks like DeMarcus Cousins dribbling the ball down the floor. Now, ultimately, he just plowed Kyle Korver into the third row and got the charge called on him, rightfully so. But the dude could kind of dribble. And I wonder if, you know, he could be a really strong defensive four. My my problem with with that would be defensively. He can't, he's not, he does not have the lateral quickness to keep up with these guys, and that's why I think he needs to be a center, and that would be the issue. But he could play, like, the four offensively 
I guess, and play the five defensively for whatever that means, or be almost a stretch five. Like, is yeah. is that his future? Who just kind of dives to the rim because he's not. You a need somebody. You need somebody like Chris Tapps for Zingas, I think. And unfortunately, mm. I don't think we're going to find a unicorn in South Florida. But it's like at this point, you might as well. Like, I don't know what almost a unicorn is. Something between like a horse and a unicorn. Maybe that could be Whiteside because he's not quite a unicorn. But he's got a nice face-up game. He has a nice touch on his shot. Like, he should be doing more of that. There's really zero reason for him to ever have his back to the basket. And, he, and mm. his back to the basket. Even passing. You know, he can't even pass with his back to the basket. We've seen him deliver his best passes of his career when he's facing the basket and there's somebody cutting in front of him. And so it that's just something to monitor. But we, need, we, we can move on. Um, the Heat, they basically got blown out this entire game. They did go on a 17-5 to run. Uh, to start, I think it was the fourth quarter, get it to 83-80. to And then the Hawks went on an 8-0 run, took a 91-80 to lead, and that was essentially, that was the game. So they got it to within um, three points, and the Hawks just blew it out to an 11-point lead imme- almost immediately after, and Miami just never got back into it. We should mention that who was out this game, again, Justice Winslow, Josh Richardson, Luke Babbitt, Deion Waiters, James Johnson. I think I got everybody. Miami only played eight players in this game. No Haslam. Yeah, and, and not much need to play a guy like him. You know, yeah. I think I, at this point, you know, he's not playing a slower plotting center. You well, know, I think it would have, it would have, it might have sent a better message if Spolster had done that. And, and I do wonder if if Haslam at this point in his career can only be a guy who sends the message so many times in a week because he had, he did just play four minutes the other night. <laughs> but mm. um, I thought it would have been nice maybe in the first half or even in the first quarter. I mean, it, it was immediate. It was immediate when White, when Howard started dominating Whiteside, maybe to see UD there. Because that's we've seen Spolster pull Whiteside and put Haslam in there. As in, like, at least I know he will do what he's supposed to do, even though he might not do it well because he's old. Right. But, and like, look, he's at least in the right spot on the court. And sometimes he uses him that way. But I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, not at all. I'm wondering, you know, in, in talking about this and, and whether or not Spolster should have changed his lineup. I'm thinking about what happened last year when we had Amara Stoudemire starting and then all of a sudden Hassan Whiteside came off the bench. We've talked recently about what happens when Justice Winslow comes back, whether or not he might be best suited for handling the power forward position. And maybe you might want to consider starting Josh McRoberts at center and then bringing Whiteside off the bench. I'm not sure if Whiteside would handle the motion uh, considering his contract situation and everything else. But I, I think he would continue to get his numbers and probably be even more productive and probably a little bit more efficient as well. So, I mean, it's it's something that we – I don't know. I don't I don't think it will happen, but it seems like it could work and it might help the, my, uh, the team out considerably. Yeah, and, you know, Whiteside has been Miami's best player the whole season, and I know we nitpick, but when you pay a guy $98 million, you nitpick. You can afford to and, nitpick, yeah. And – this was his worst game of the season. Eight points, four of 12 from the field. Uh, those 12 rebounds, were mo- nine of them were defensive, and that was just, you know, there were so many shots going up that mo- everybody on the roster had multiple rebounds. So um, w- only one block. And But these are the issues that we've been having, is that he's not in position. He struggles against – it seems like we have this conversation every time we play another good center or even just another big center. It seems that we're having this conversation about Whiteside, and at some point, you know, if you're Pat Riley, you got to look at this team and say, "Can I build a winner around this?" Because he keeps saying we could build them, and and Riley's even said Whiteside's not ready now to be built around, 
but maybe he can get there. And we want to see more uh, from him develop in the post and all these things. And exactly, you know, and and I don't think that that should be his focus. But I, I look at Whiteside and I think that maybe the burden's too heavy for him. It's I see him as maybe like the third best player on a championship team, and like a DeAndre Jordan. And if he had a guy like Chris Paul and Blake Griffin to kind of rein him in and, and Chris Paul and Blake Griffin are the guys taking a majority of the shots and you don't run plays for Whiteside. I can see him thrive in that. I just don't mm-hmm. know when the Heat are getting Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. Yeah. I, I mean I don't think either of them are, are, are likely targets for this team. I mean or I'm like sure that either a player like that even. Like it's just sure. like you know what I mean? So um all right. Really quick, I do want to give a shout-out to the Locked On Podcast Network, the great podcast network that we are a part of, that we get to put our podcast on and complain about Hassan Whiteside's uh, pick-and-roll defense on a daily basis. Uh, the Locked On Podcast Network is fantastic. We thank you for listening to Locked On Heat. If you're a fan of this show, you might be a fan of Locked On Miami Dolphins. You might be a, fa- a fan of Locked On Fantasy Basketball. You might be a fan of Locked On NBA with our boss, David Locke. Um, there's Locked On NFL, and there's so many great shows. If you're a golf fan, there's Locked On Golf. I mean, there's there's all your options, and they're all daily podcasts, and they're all hosted by awesome people just like me and David. So um, check out the network. It's the fastest-growing podcast network on the planet. So if you like this show, add some more to your podcast feed and if you're not subscribed to Locked On Heat already, please do, do so and make us a part of your daily routine. That's all we ask. You're listening to Love Advice with Leanne. Caller, you're on the air. Uh, hi, Leanne. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> Why, in your professional opinion, do you never take my calls off the air? Is this Carl? Yep, it's Carl. I mean, we had a few dates. Everything was great, I thought. Uh... Well, you know, when you switch to GEICO, you could save a lot of money on car insurance. Okay, awesome. You should call them. I will. GEICO, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer. All right. The other player we wanted to talk about was Tyler Johnson, who had his highest scoring night of his career. That was wasted, but still a really good game from him. 27 points, 8 of 16 shooting, uh, made 4 of his 5 three-pointers, had 5 assists, had a block, had a steal, and he was one of the few players with a positive plus minus. He was plus four. Now, I'll admit that I was kind of only half watching the game, to be honest with you, because I just, I don't know, something about the, the, the way I, I saw it play out demoralized me almost instantly. <laughs> and so, I, I, I know. Especially because everybody was tweeting about how good the Cavaliers-Knicks game was earlier. I guess, maybe not how good it was, but how many great plays like LeBron and Kevin Love were making. Sure. And I even tweeted during the game, I was like, Jesus, I wish I didn't have to watch this dumb heat game for this podcast. I'd rather be watching Kevin Love making Wes unselled outlet passes. <laughs> well, we're not really selling it to our listeners, but but my point overall is... Uh, it's not our job to sell the game. They're still listening. <laughs> <laughs> we want to provide the voice for the heat fan that's hanging tough during the hard times, you know? Just, just right. think, when Riley builds his contender next season... How many more listeners will, you know, all the ones that stuck through it during the, the lean 7 and 15 times, you know, those those will be the ones that really appreciate the, the next season when we have, I don't know, two, three superstars added to the roster at least. Um, but as far as Tyler Johnson's concerned, his 27-point performance sounds good, but it felt, again, to me, like pretty empty statistically. Like I, I just didn't really see it being – a great game from him, and maybe I'm nitpicking, or, or maybe again I was just half, you know, half-heartedly 
watching it, but it just doesn't seem like he made a significant impact. And I mean, I thought I he really was, tried in the fourth quarter. He had one block um, on Dennis uh, Schroeder. The participation trophy for for best overall player tonight. He really tried. <laughs> well, it's more than Whiteside did. He didn't even try to run sure. up the court with Dwight Howard. Uh, no, point. Tyler Johnson. I thought I had a good game. I mean, fifty percent shooting from the field, four of five three pointers. I mean. He's he scored a lot of his most of his points in the fourth quarter, as did uh, Goran Dragic, who um, had 21 points on the night. Both of those guys really started to. They were the guys that kind of led that rally to get it back within three, and then after that, yeah, they both scored a, a few points after that when it was basically over, and the and the Hawks had gotten out to an 11 point lead. But I mean, you know, some of these guys had to try. Wayne Ellington had another good game. I mean, I'm, is there anything else we want to talk about Tyler Johnson? I mean, that was really it. He had that one block on Schroeder at the end, which I, had, I made a note of. It was like, okay, this guy is still competing. He's trying to win. I like Tyler Johnson. He got nailed in the face again by Dwight Howard. Mm. And then um, I thought for sure he was going to lose a tooth. I don't know if he did. In the replay, it kind of like looked like he might have lost a tooth. Like he spit something out of his mouth. Who knows what it was? <laughs> I was, like, holy, I was like, holy crap, this guy lost another tooth, or maybe he chipped a tooth or something. I don't know, but something came out of his mouth. We'll see. And uh, um, and then Dwight Howard was like acting like, he's like, how could you call that? And like Tyler Johnson's like writhing around in pain. And it's like, he's not flopping. Like, he's hurt. Like, he's, things are falling out of his face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, how could you? Anyway, so other guys. That's that, a good way to wrap up our discussion on Tyler Johnson, I think. <laughs> that's right. Ellington. Had another good game. Made four three pointers for the second straight game. Had nineteen points. Ryan McGruder's and is is uh, another start for him. A very like Justice Winslow type game. Mm-hmm. Three of eight from from the field, so not good shooting. Just like Justice Winslow, eleven points, uh, five rebounds, five assists, two steals, a block, just one turnover, plus five overall. The only starter with a positive plus minus just shouts to Ryan McGruder. Yeah, two of five from three point range. So he's mm-hmm. he's certainly developed a little consistency from the perimeter. Um, three of five free throws took five free throws as opposed to Whiteside who took none. This, I mean, that's just a, a pathetic showing from him. But um, yeah, clearly much more effort on his part. I, he led. Other than Tyler, it seemed like he shot more free throws than any other Heat player. So I mean, yeah. shouts out definitely a shout out to Magruder for being the that's probably the only player other than Johnson who really had any interest or any I guess effort tonight. But um, I really yeah, enjoyed I mean, Roddy Magruder this season. I don't yeah. want to dive too deep into the Magruder rabbit hole because I have a feeling we'll have a chance to talk about him more at length at some other point. But I've just really enjoyed watching him. And as a starter, he's been fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder, you know, how much of – we talked about it in uh, our most recent mailbag, you know, what's his ceiling and things of that sort. I wonder how much of a role he'll continue to play once the team gets healthy, if the team ever gets healthy and doesn't embrace the tankathon. But, uh, you know, for now, you know, just enjoy a guy who's really working hard out there. And you got to appreciate the fact that he's worked his way up from the D-League and everything else. You know, for all the, the love that Tyler gets for, again, being somewhat undersized and having to work his way up, I think Magruder's path might have been arguably a little bit more difficult. And he's making the most of his opportunity. So good for him. All right. I want to quickly do the power forward belt just because it really doesn't deserve that much time. This, this No James Johnson. Josh McRoberts started. But... The hell of it. We're giving it to Derek Williams. Yes. In 20 minutes, he made one of five of his shots. He missed all Ooh. three of his three pointers, but he, he did have five rebounds. He didn't have any assists. He didn't have a steal. He did have two blocks. He did have three points in the game in oh. 20 minutes. 
I'm telling you, David, the, <laughs> this this power forward belt, this grand idea that we had before the season started, where we thought like, hey, like McRoberts, Derek Williams, James Johnson, Luke Babbitt, these guys are going to be dueling it out every every game for who's the best power forward. It's really just turned into our participation trophy at this point. Well, it's it's the least worst, I guess, performance of the night. That's probably the the best way to look at it. But you know, I wonder would would we have given it to Whiteside if he started at the four? That's, That's a, a good, good point. Yeah, who knows? Um, look, I just want to put this out to the listeners: Are you sick of the power forward belt? Because if you are, we'll get rid of it. And we, you know what? Let me rephrase that: We are going to get rid of the power forward belt unless there is an overwhelming cry back that you guys want it back. That's it. This will be the last power forward belt. We'll give it to Derek Williams, and that'll be it. I, and I insist to whoever might be still listening at this point, I insist that we you 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 know clamor loudly for the return of the power forward belt because it's just it's perfectly indicative of how the season goes that we're awarding something to the least bad player at one particular position. It just shows how far Miami has dropped. We could have had Chris Bosch, unfortunately, we have Derek Williams. And it is three turnovers and three points winning the power forward belt. So I think that uh, the positivity on this particular podcast has been overwhelming. Well, you, you remember back in the uh, the good old uh, lockdown heat. I'm sorry, not lockdown heat. The, the heat check days. Oh yeah, where we had a, a series of really, really, really bad podcasts. Like it, it was actually, it was more like one up, one down. We were the manic depressant podcast That's at right. that point because we would, one game we would be really, really positive. The next we would be like, why are we even watching this? Why were we talking about this? And uh, and then you know the next game you know fortunately for us it would pick back up but uh, you know I think uh, this is one of those tougher circumstances I think you know you got to stick through it and hopefully they can get a, a big showing against Cleveland look I mean Cleveland might be struggling but they're still clearly the best team in the East um, and it's an interesting matchup they're not struggling I think- anymore they blew out the Knicks tonight so I think that three game losing streak that was we're catching them right at the. Uh- at their peak, we want revenge. We're going to make up a three-game losing streak with like a 10-game winning streak. So that should be good. That's really optimistic. I mean, I, I just want to see I want to see effort from everyone on this team, particularly Whiteside. And I think if you can't get jazzed up facing the NBA champion, I, I don't know what you can get jazzed up about. And I think that's up to Spolstra and the guys that are still there. Look, I know that the injuries take their toll, not just emotionally, but physically as well. You have to work hard. You have to work longer. It's very difficult. You know you're not going to get a respite because nobody's going to come off the bench and help spell you. But, if, you know, you've got to be able to find motivation where you possibly can. And, look, we saw, you know, during the Big Three era how this team used perceived slights to help fuel them. And I think it's important, you know, you look at this team, how much better they are because of LeBron, what I have you, and, and you want to look for motivation, and I think you need to find it. So hopefully they can find some against Cleveland. That's uh, Friday night at 7.30, um, and then they play Chicago on the second night of a back-to-back. Uh, that's Saturday night, so they'll be playing Dwayne Wade in that game in Dwayne Wade's new house. Uh, and we won't have recaps Friday or Saturday night, but we, I'm sure we'll talk about it uh, when we record the Monday mailbag. I'm sure there'll be plenty to talk about from that Cleveland-Chicago game. Who knows? Like last time we, we said, hey, we're going to go 0-3 on that road trip. Um, they started 0-1, but they've surprised us before. I don't know. So I'm trying mm. to be as optimistic as I can. It's really not working. I don't think I'm selling it. Uh, put it this way. If Whiteside blocks LeBron, we could just do a whole podcast about that. Um, all right. Anything else before we go? No. I don't want to talk about <laughs> no. the team anymore. <laughs> don't do it anyway. All right. Well, that's all we have for today. Whether you're listening on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, 
Thank you for listening. Get in touch with the show on Twitter at Locked on Heat or by email where you can send us mailbag questions, comments, or sponsorship opportunities. That's LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. And hey, if you're not subscribed already, please do so. That way you can get the podcast automatically every day. And when you do that, go to iTunes, leave us a review. Seen some really nice reviews lately, by the way. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to just kind of browse the uh, the Locked on Heat podcast feed on iTunes. Some nice stuff people are saying. Somebody wished us a happy Thanksgiving. That was really nice. That is really nice. Um, anyway, go there. When you do that review and you give us a five-star rating, it really helps our position in the iTunes charts and helps other people discover the show. So we do appreciate it, and we appreciate you listening. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes. Hey, it's Wes again. I wanted to tell you about the Monday Morning Heat Check. Would you enjoy getting a small email, a newsletter, from me every Monday morning where I share the best stories and digital content about the Miami Heat from the week before and for the week ahead? Just a little something to keep you up to speed. There'll be exclusive content from me as well, opinions, analysis, etc., and a few other surprises that I'm still working on along the way. Again, just a little something for you every Monday morning. So if that's something you're interested in, just go to tinyurl.com slash mondaymorningheatcheck. That's tinyurl.com slash mondaymorningheatcheck and drop in your email. It's that easy. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.